0: 91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your cars are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob.
1: Welcome into the scoreboard here on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming live at weglfm.com. Jacob Hillman, as always, joined by Bay Marks on this
0: what's turned into a beautiful Thursday afternoon. After a bit of rain this morning, how are you doing today, Bay? I am making it, like you said. The uh, <laughs> the rain this morning kind of got me because it said there was a 20% chance for like two hours, and I got sprinkled on on the way to class. But regardless, it's the uh, best time of the week. It's been a long, busy weekend. This is just, you know, it's not Friday, but I don't work on Thursdays. So being with you here in the studio... A good a good walk into Friday, a good early start of the weekend for uh, for us.
1: I've been hunkered down in the uh, the bullpen, as we call it, here in the WEGL Bradley Basin Studio since early this morning, about eight a.m. when my class got canceled. But it's time to get right into it because we got a lot to talk about. We're gonna oh start my gosh, off so much stuff. Yeah, we we got NBA season preview, Major League Baseball postseason. One of us is happier than the other, and then of course every week the NFL predictions. But first, the Auburn Tigers. Went into Arkansas to Fayetteville and got its sixth consecutive win over the Razorbacks, and they did it in, I would say, convincing fashion.
0: Love the smell you, of bacon in the morning. Yeah, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I do too. It was that
1: nice 11 a.m. kick. See that sizzling been, on
0: the grill. We've Whoa. been we've been talking about how the 11 a.m. game has been a little more uh, favorable uh, in recent memory, uh, just for teams in general, but. Especially on the road, none of us—I mean, me included—I picked Auburn to lose, being a four-point underdog. None of us expected that game, especially the fourth quarter, to happen the way it happened. No, um, but I, I would argue that was probably the best game of bonix's career. I don't think you have to argue it. I, I mean, mean, I think it really clearly was. I mean, he was twenty-one
1: for twenty-six for two hundred ninety-two yards. Did he have two or three passing touchdowns? I think he had
0: two passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown.
1: I mean, it, it's it's clear-cut and dry. Best game of Bo Nates' career, and it seems like he's almost improving every week since, I mean, you kind of disregard the Georgia game because of that opponent, but ever since Georgia State, he improved against LSU, Georgia happened, and then he improved again against Arkansas. Now you got a bye week to really sit on it
0: and figure more things out. It wasn't a perfect game, but it was close to it. Yeah, and that was what I was thinking, especially after this game ended, was, you know, really since Georgia State, Bo has improved and improved and improved. Georgia wasn't a great game, but, I mean, we've been through that. You can go listen to our previous episode about that. But, I mean, he's really kind of stepped up to the plate when adversity was hitting him the hardest. Um, He is a competitor, and he wears orange and blue on his sleeve. He is Auburn through and through, and you've seen it with him battling. And he just, I mean, I think it was Aaron Murray on the broadcast talked about his feet were really calm, and they were patient, he was patient with his vision and in previous games he's always too quick to throw too quick to make a decision and he was really able to step into the pocket behind his o-line who had a great game including Killian Zier uh is that how you pronounce it I believe so yeah he had his first uh, career start from germany um and he played outstanding at the left tackle spot
1: yeah he did and and that's that's the important thing it's also the the whole offensive line running game passing game they did great only really there's a 1-yard loss a 2-yard loss and a 1-yard loss on the, for the rushing attack as Tank Bigsby ran for 68 yards. Bo Nix was second with 42, and Jarquez Hunter, he had 10 carries for 27 yards. Not the greatest average, but they're getting it, and they're moving the ball, and it's really in those short yardage situations where you just need that one or two-yard pickup to get the first down, and I really think that the offensive line is a big reason for that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a huge thing that I'm going to take away from this game, Jacob, on the road, beating this top-20 opponent um, was Auburn got off to the quick start, obviously, with the Javaris Johnson uh, touchdown on the first drive of the game for Auburn. Um, and then Auburn is up 14-10 to 10 at halftime after both teams scoring in the second quarter. Um, but you see in the third quarter, Arkansas really takes the momentum in the swing of things in the game with the Traylon Burks touchdown. And we saw how they ended the second quarter as well. So all the momentum was really in their favor, and Auburn was completely pushed up against the wall and Auburn's defensive special teams with Marcus Harris and them step up to get a blocked punt – or, I'm sorry, um, a sack in the end zone, excuse me, um, and Zacoby McClain and Marcus Harris jump on top of it, which that kind of swung things. And then Auburn truly got um, the rest of that momentum. with they got, I think they got the stop uh, with the turnover on downs. Right. And then the pass to Demetrius Robertson, who nearly dropped that pass. Um, that touchdown and everything – really gave Auburn that momentum back, which was huge because that stadium was packed, and it was loud.
1: I Yes, I was extremely happy with the responses by both the Auburn defense and the Auburn offense after going down. I mean, you're up 14-3. Now, all of a sudden, within 15 minutes of game time, you're down 17. I mean, it's just one quarter, and the script is completely flipped. I, w- I was concerned. I was worried that this is going to be a crazy shootout. We're going to see scores in the 40s. Auburn didn't let that happen. They responded to those two touchdowns well, especially on defense. And like you said, offense responded to the defensive turnover perfectly with a 71-yard touchdown. I love taking that deep shot after a turnover on downs. It's just what you really should do, try to keep up that momentum. That offense is feeling good. They're excited to be on the field. So
0: You know, and that's a big confidence booster because the all the talk after last week's game against Georgia was the wide receivers dropping passes. True. <laughs> The first half, the wide receivers played great. And in the second half, to take another deep shot like that, I mean, it's just a complete confidence booster. I think Auburn's receiving core really got that confidence back. Only one drop pass by Landon King, who really had a few other catches, and he's been playing solid lately too.
1: Well, but Speaking of Landon King and his position group, four different tight ends caught a pass. Four <sighs> on Saturday. Four. Not Love just that. John Samuel Shanker. He only had one catch for 12 yards. Luke Deal led the way with four receptions for 19 yards. Uh, Landon King had two for 23, and Tyler Fromm had one for 11. I'd be I, interesting to know when the efficient. last time that happened was
0: to have yeah. at least four, three or four tight ends in an Auburn football game catch a pass.
1: Not during Gus Malzahn's tenure. Negative. Guarantee. But leading receiver was Shed Jackson with five receptions for 61 yards. Obviously, Robertson had the 71-yard touchdown catch. And Javarius Johnson, his one catch, he made the most of it. It was a touchdown on that post route to open the scoring up in the first quarter. Yeah.
0: I think, I think for me as well, obviously it wasn't a perfect game. So for me on both sides of the ball, real quick, what I think Auburn can take away on offense, um, I think you they did a better job of feeding Tank, but I think it's just going to be a continuation of getting Tank more reps, getting him back in the groove of things. I'd really like to see the run game improve a little bit more because the passing game is not going to be there every single game, especially when you're facing teams like Alabama and Texas A&M with great secondaries. Right. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'd really like to see a better push from the D-line. Obviously, Colby Wooden was SEC co-defensive lineman of the week, which he had a great game. I'd still like to see a little bit more more of a pass rush. And then also, why do we have Zion Puckett on Traylon Burks? I agree. Um, But besides that, really, uh, second half, we saw Auburn really kind of step up defensively, only gave up nine points in the second half compared to the 14 in the first half. The star defensively was Zacoby McClain, a career-high in tackles of 15.
1: He had half a tackle for loss, and you mentioned... Colby Wooden, I think that he's going to be a star. He's coming up. It's, it's taking time, but eventually he's going to be the star on that defensive line. But I'm with you. I think this bye week is all about figuring out exactly how you want to go into November because October 30th game against Ole Miss is so, so important to set the tone for what it's going to be like. And if you do it well, you're going to be set to go. But this is Auburn's bye week, so we don't have a game to preview. And we got a lot of other things to talk about. So let's move in to college football. Week eight preview. Not a ton of great matchups this week. It, it is. It, it's a little bit lighter. Are no ranked matchups. That's that's what's yeah. the issue is. But there's a few matchups that could cause some chaos, like the two thirty game on Fox. Oklahoma State ranked eighth in the country, going to Ames, Iowa for unranked Iowa State. Where the hot, where the Cyclones are seven point favorites. How do you see this game going?
0: I think it's going to be Iowa State winning at home. Uh, I'm going to go with the spread in Vegas. The over-under is 47, and I think that's going to be pretty accurate. Um, I don't see either team really getting over 30 in this game. If they do, it's going to be Iowa or Iowa State. But I think that they're going to win at home. I think Brock Purdy and that veteran uh, leadership on that Iowa State football team, that's a tough place to win on and on the road. And you know that a top 18 coming to town in conference on Fox at 230 that stadium's going to be very loud. It's going to be very hostile. And um, I haven't been huge on Oklahoma State anyways. I thought they were going to lose last week to Texas. I said that on our show. So I think Iowa State wins. Dreams die in Ames, Iowa. And that will happen this week as the
1: 6-0 Cowboys are going to lose. I don't think they'll, I don't think Iowa State will cover. I think it'll be a very close game, just how it goes with the Big 12 and especially Iowa State. But, I mean, they haven't been that impressive. If you look at their stats, they only average 381 yards per game. They give up 300-plus yards per game, and they really haven't impressed in any of their wins. They have three consecutive ranked wins, but they're all just kind of, yeah, they won it, didn't do much with it. I do like Spencer Sanders, but I'm I'm not a fan of them going into Iowa State and winning. So, I have Iowa State, but Oklahoma State will cover. And then... Another thing is that the Big 12 kind of feels like it's going to be wide open if that is to happen, Like especially if Iowa State beats Oklahoma State. We'll see how that goes. Moving yep. out west, same time, 2.30 on ABC. This is the game day game, the Rose Bowl, UCLA hosting number 10
0: Oregon. What a cool scenery this is going to be. Um, earlier this season when we had LSU traveling and facing UCLA, I talked about how I thought UCLA was going to be a really good team this year. So far they're 5-2. and two. They've had a few road wins in the Pac-12, but they do have a home loss to Fresno State, which really sticks out like a sore thumb to me. I like Oregon on the road. I'm going to go against uh, Vegas right here. I think they're going to win. I think I'm a little more confident in their offense than I am in UCLA's offense because I feel like their offense won't be as consistent as it's going to need to be to beat a top-10 team at home. Um, So I'm going to go with the Oregon Ducks in this game. No upset for me here. I agree with your point about the UCLA offense. But I do think the Bruins get it done
1: this week mm. because think about it: Giant Slayer weekend. Oregon, yes, Oregon is the only team that really has a chance of making the playoff for the Pac-12. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. UCLA is going to make sure it doesn't happen. They're going to win this weekend over Oregon. They are the favorite by two points. They may they okay. may never make it again until we get a twelve-team playoff. Honestly, you're probably <laughs> yeah. correct. That 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 is how it is trending. The other two thirty game on the broadcast network, CBS. LSU and Ole Miss, I mean, the storylines with this game. Coach Orgeron agreed to uh, leave the program after this season, still coaching. Lane Kiffin and the Rebels coming off that crazy victory oh my gosh. in Knoxville. We could do hour podcast that. I was going to say, I mean, there needs to be a documentary on it. So yeah.
0: where do we see this game going? It's going to be Ole Miss. I think th- there's a lot of stuff going on in both programs right now. Ole Miss... Having all that happen with Kiffin last week, I know they were fired up after that win. And then you have LSU with Orjon, and now all these reports coming out um, about girlfriends being let into practice yeah. and all this stuff, and all the players having to respond on Twitter. They're not focused about the game. So I don't think the fight in Baton Rouge Tigers are going to get a win. I think they dropped to 500. Um But what a game they played, I mean, last week against Florida. Props to them. I agree. Uh, props to Davis Price as well. But I think Ole Miss at home at 2:30. I mean... Close your eyes if you're an LSU fan. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that Ole Miss
1: goes in and rolls. I mean, the over-under 76 and Ole Miss will be much closer to that by themselves than LSU will be scoring. I just I just think that, like you said, that they're not focused. It doesn't seem like. Now, of course, they might come out and play their hearts out for Ed O, but I don't think it'll be enough. I think Ole Miss wins this game. I think they cover it as well. I'm just now realizing all of the good games are at 2.30.
0: Yeah. Well, what is the point of this? Well, and I will say one thing is if LSU wants to have any success against Ole Miss, they're gonna have to have another great game out of Damon Clark, uh, or Demone Clark. He leads the nation with eighty tackles so far this year, and that is thirty-seven more tackles than the next highest person uh, on LSU's defense. So just yeah. a fun yeah. fact. Yeah. I think you he le- Yeah, does he lead the conference? I mean, he, he leads does. the nation. Leads the nation. Yes. It, okay. Wow.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll move on to our fourth game: Clemson and Pitt, also at two thirty, ESPN. This is in Heinz Field. I believe the last time Pitt beat Clemson was on that game-winning field goal. But here's the difference: Pitt is favored, and Clemson is unranked. Pitt is favored, and Clemson's unranked. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I think we're probably gonna
0: pick Pitt. Well, we have a few. We have a very short list of rules on the scoreboard. Right. <laughs> Always bet the over. That's one of them for reference. And one of the other many few rules we have is never pick against Pitt Panthers. Panthers by 90 probably.
1: This is <laughs> I don't think it'll be that much. No, maybe, maybe not.
0: Uh I think they win and I don't think it'll be too difficult. I think they cover the spread. This is this is a weird weird uh weird year for Clemson. I mean, it
1: is unprecedented like I didn't expect them necessarily to be the greatest team of all
0: time, but I also didn't expect them to be 4 and 3 and unranked.
1: Right. Yeah. They're not quite 4 and 3 yet. They will be after this oh, sorry, weekend. Yeah. But Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it, it's an interesting season. I I'm I'm looking forward to the end of the season, postseason, and looking back on this Clemson season. We're gonna pick one more. USC Notre
0: Dame. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, Alex Houston is he going will be to be. there. Game. Yes, he will. I'm gonna pick Notre Dame at home. As much as it kills me, I'm gonna pick them.
1: Yeah, I think just USC is just kind of eh and right now. So As much as we hate Notre Dame. I'm taking the Irish. Yeah. There might not be a Houston curse, like there's a Hillman curse. Yeah. So he's pulling for the Irish. We will be pulling for them since we picked them on the other side of this break. NFL predictions for week seven. On the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Baymarks Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. And hey, welcome back to the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you are streaming on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you and thank you for joining our program today. Bay Marks, as always sitting alongside Mr. Jacob Hillman to my right. If you want to call in and be a part of the scoreboard, feel more than welcome. You can dial 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. If you want to call in to the studio, just a reminder, folks, that tonight is Weagle Stages here on campus. Um, Where is that going to be at tonight? That is on the Campus Green. On the Campus Green, Weagle Stages will be live, hosted by the Weagle Live Events Team. And also tonight, the UPC will be presenting A Quiet Place Part 2, at Plainsman Park, a movie night today, October the 21st. Gates open at 7 p.m., and A Quiet Place Part 2 will be presented starting at 7.30 here on campus. All right. I'll say about Quiet Place, the first one was really good. Never seen it. It's really good. You should see it. If my girlfriend wasn't so afraid of horror movies, we'd probably... It really isn't
1: that much of a horror movie, I'll be honest. It's more, it's of, more, a of, a thriller, more yeah. of a
0: thriller and kind of creepy. Yeah,
1: good, good, good way to put it.
0: Moving on in our action-packed show today, like we mentioned earlier, or like Jacob mentioned, we do have so many things we're going to get to on today's show. One of them being NFL Week 7, and there are a few pretty interesting matchups this week, despite what you may think, Um, and we're going to go ahead and break that down here live on the scoreboard. Starting with tonight, Thursday night football matchup, Cleveland will be hosting the Denver Broncos. Cleveland going to be wearing the orange pants with the brown tops. We talked about that on Compact Discourse this morning. If you want to go back and listen to that replay, feel more than welcome Um, But a battle of 3-3 and teams, which Cleveland's one of the better 3-3 and teams we've seen all time. Um, But, Jacob, who do we have in this game tonight on Thursday Night Football? I mean, it's going to be a doozy. I'll tell you that. It's going to be one of the –
1: it could have been a great game, but here we are. It's quarterbacks are injured. Baker Mayfield's not playing. Teddy Bridgewater's questionable. Jerry Judy got put on the injured reserve. Odell Beckham questionable. It's possible that Jarvis Landry plays. I don't know if that news has come out yet. I don't know. I'm picking the Browns just because I think they're the better team.
0: I think the Browns are the better team, but I'm going to go with Denver um, because Baker's out. They have so many injuries. Jedrick, Jedrick Willis is uh, questionable. Like you said, OBJ is questionable, and Landry might not be playing. It's going to be a little chilly with some rain in Ohio, and I think Teddy Bridgewater and the double gloves, uh, that might help him out a little bit. Well, see, th- think about this. You if he plays. Case Keenum is the starter. Yeah, yeah. I I faith in Case Keenum. <laughs> I do like Case Keenum. I, I'm not, I'm a can Case Kees- Keenum. I'm not even going to finish my split sentence because yeah, I out. can't even speak English. <laughs> English is hard for me. Green Bay hosting Washington. Green Bay going to be wearing their 1950s throwback uniforms. Who do we have in this one? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the Packers.
1: Washington is not the team we thought they would be this year. I'm about to break out the, was it Daryl Green for the Cardinals? They are who we thought they were. Yeah. Washington football team was not who we thought they were.
0: I own you, says Aaron Rodgers to the Chicago Bears. If Washington would have waited one more week, we could have had a double throwback uni matchup. Man, that would have been nice. But I'm going to have Green Bay at home. doesn't matter what kind of uniforms they're going to (laughs) wear. Packers have just gotten better and better each week since that week one blowout against the Saints. I agree with that. I I agree with that. And I think that they're trending in the right direction where our
1: NFC Championship predictions
0: might come to fruition. Marcus Spears thinks that they're the closest thing to a lock in the NFL right now for the really? playoffs. Interesting. Yep. Moving on, Tennessee will host Kansas City. Tennessee getting a good win the other night on Monday Night Football against the Buffalo Bills there the last few minutes. And the team we just talked about got beat by Kansas City on the road last week. Who are we have in this one? The Titans were concerning before last, last Monday
1: night. Now, I'm on the bandwagon. I am I think the Titans are a good team in the NFL, Are they good enough to beat the Chiefs? I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to air it out against that pass defense, and I don't think Derrick Henry Henry on a short week is going to be able to run the way he did against the Bills.
0: That's exactly the way I feel. You took the words right out of my mouth. Um, Kansas City, first half didn't really play too strong against Washington, and the second half is where we really saw their surge. And like you just mentioned, Jacob, on a shorter week, I don't think the Titans will really have it, but I do like the way they've been playing lately, and I think they're showing positive signs of trending upward, so I'll take Kansas City on the road. A battle of two very, very, uh, uh how do I put this? Uh, <laughs> Which game are you talking about? Are you talking about the Falcons, yes. Dolphins? Reeling? Terrible? Awful? Yeah.
1: All or, the above. Yeah,
0: all the above. <laughs> Miami hosting Atlanta after coming back um, after a loss to Jacksonville in London. Does Miami get a win at home or do the Falcons move to 500? Well, I mean, first question is who in the heck is going to be the quarterback
1: of the Dolphins after yeah. this season? Because I don't know how soon they want to make a move, but it seems like pretty soon. Tua Tagovailoa is questionable, as he always is. But I do like the Dolphins at home. Really? I, I do think the defense is still kind of alive enough to to prevent. I mean, they are allowing 432 yards per game. It's a little skewed, be, skewed because of the Bills. But I, I think that they can lock down the Atlanta offense.
0: I'm going to go with Atlanta on the road. I, I really like the quarterback situation better, obviously, with Matt Ryan. I think that veteran experience will be enough. Moving on, New England and New York, another or divisional matchup in Foxborough. What are we thinking? Yeah, I think this is
1: going to be a good Mac Jones game. I think he's going to be very efficient with the football, probably only miss,
0: like, five passes, and he's going to dominate the Jets. The Jets are not very good. Yeah, and it's funny. We just hyped up the Tennessee Titans, and looking back at it, they they lose to the Jets a few weeks right. ago, and over time. No, I mean, that's the whole thing. I just so, think the
1: Titans are trending upward.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, I like the Patriots as well. Um, I'm going to take them at home. I think that they're going to get it done. It's the Jets. Not really much to say there for me. Your Carolina Panthers, Jacob, they're going to travel on the road to New York, and a lot of people think that this game will be closer than some would think, and the spread is three in favor of Carolina. I need to address something real quick. Back a few weeks ago
1: before the Cowboys game, I I said something that did not become true. I I said the Panthers were going to beat the Cowboys and win their next five or six games. They didn't beat the Cowboys, and they lost their next two
0: games. So you were the cause of a sports team who you pull for their loss, and we have a term for that. Who who would have thought? Who would have thought? The Hillman curse. Yeah, well,
1: the Panthers are going to get it done this week because the Giants, I mean, there's probably not going to be a Saquon. There's just so much wrong with the Giants right now that it's really hard to pick them, even against the Panthers team that's lost three in a row.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think I just want to see a little bit more out of Carolina's defense, um, but I think y'all win it on the road as well. Uh, again, just the defenses, that's going to be the big thing for me. Well, one other thing about Sam
1: Darnold is, you, did you see what Matt Rule said about Darnold? What's that? He said, hey, you got to figure it out because this is not going to get it done. Was that
0: the comment where he said, no, no, that was Jared Goff, and they said he has to play better. Right. Sorry, but yes. Um Nonetheless, moving on, Cincinnati traveling to Baltimore, which could set up to be a huge AFC matchup um, in that division. Maybe, I believe this is for the division lead. Um, yes, well. It is. It will be. Yeah, sorry. So, Cincinnati at Baltimore. Jacob, what are we thinking about this one? This could be a pivotal game in Joe Burrow's career. I don't think it will be.
1: I think that Baltimore will win this game, but I really think that Joe Burrow is going to perform well, and it's going to be something where the Ravens fans and the organization like,
0: This guy is good, and we're going to have to deal with
1: him for a long time.
0: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing about this game. I think this could be a statement game for Burrow, but I think he's going to turn the ball over maybe one or two too many times. And I think at home, Lamar Jackson with that experience, I think his experience will trump uh, another fellow Heisman Trophy winner. Um, So Lamar Jackson and the Ravens at home for me. But again, like Jacob said, that could be pivotal moving down the road. 305 Las Vegas host Philadelphia Real Quick not a very enticing game who do we think
1: well hey look what the Raiders did last week I mean I'm picking them again I I didn't pick them last week now I'm picking them because I thought they would kind of just crumble after all the drama surrounding the organization but here they are 4 and 2
0: Yeah first half Eagles last week against the Tampa Bay Bucks on Thursday night football was not very impressive so that final score should not or isn't as close as it probably looks from that right. game um I'll take the Raiders at home as well Los Angeles hosting Detroit, the Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford showdown of the two teams that traded them for each other. Um, The trade has obviously worked out in better favor for the Rams because they got a veteran uh, and the Detroit Lions traded away their, you know, franchise quarterback for a guy that did make the Super Bowl, um, but hasn't panned out in the first six games so far.
1: I mean, and part of it is bad luck. The Lions just have kind of gotten screwed out of a few wins. And I mean, just look at the stats. Matt Stafford has 300 more yards than Jared Goff, and he has nine more touchdowns with the same amount of interceptions.
0: I'm going to go with the uh, Rams yeah. as well. E- easy pick here. Arizona, probably one of if not the best teams in the NFL at undefeated, uh, with a 17 and, and a half one. point spread against the Texans. <laughs> Another easy pick.
1: Cardinals. Do they man. cover? No, no, not 17
0: okay. and a half. And no. I'm just I'm just curious. That man. is a lot of points. Yeah, I know. In the NFL, that's like that's like by 40 in college football. Yeah, that, that is a good comparison. In translation. Tampa Bay hosting Chicago in an NFC matchup on CBS at 325. Yeah, this is
1: another game with a huge line. 12.5 point favorite for Tampa. I'm picking the Bucks. I'm picking the Bears to cover.
0: No, I again, I completely agree with you. No argument for me. This is about a
1: 25-point spread in college football.
0: Yeah, I think that Chicago will probably lose, or they will lose, but it will probably be by about, I'd say, 3-7. to seven. Um, I think after the way that they played last week against Green Bay – having played them so close. I think it's going to give Justin Fields that early confidence he needs. He's only got two tutties and three picks this year. Um, He won't have a very fabulous year by any means, but, I mean, this is a huge learning year for him. Well, and I'm intrigued to see how
1: he fares after, you know, a comfortable game at home, going back on the road against the defending Super Bowl champs. And the GOAT. yeah, the GOAT and a fantastic defense. Yeah. Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, I believe, will both be playing. Dean came back last week. so
0: do they get a pick off of him? Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I think he throws for at least one interception. San Francisco at home hosting the Indianapolis Colts. I think this could be a sneaky good game on Sunday Night Football.
1: Yeah, it's not two great teams, but it might be a fun one. Uh, I mean, Colts got Carson Wentz, who, man, he, he is battling through it right now. And then, of course... Is it still going to be Trey Lance? or is, is They're both questionable. Trey, I was about to say, so,
0: I think it'll be a little bit of both.
1: Who knows who the quarterback will be for the 49ers, but either way, I'm picking the Colts. I think they go out to San Francisco and get the win on Sunday Night Football. Big game from Carson Wentz.
0: I'm going to go with San Francisco at home. I think their defense will be able to keep the Indianapolis Colts in check, but I think this is going to be a very scrappy game. I don't think it'll be super flashy by any means, but I will take San Francisco at home. I think they beat the Colts. All right, Monday Night Football, to wrap up our predictions, the Seattle Seahawks hosting the New Orleans Saints. Uh, The Saints are favored in this game. What are we looking at here?
1: Yeah, another interesting one, obviously, the Seahawks do not have Russell Wilson it's Geno Smith at quarterback. The Saints, you know, ever ever since that first week, have been kind of quiet. Just up and down. They, They lose some, they win some. Jameis Winston has the crazy drives against the Washington football team. But I think James West has a big game against the Seahawks. They win, and
0: they cover. I agree. I think New Orleans wins on the road and gets a big NFC win in that matchup as well. No argument for me. That's going to do with Easy the pick. first half of the show today. On the other side of this break, we are going to talk about the MLB postseason and how the Braves are up 3-1. to Don't go anywhere. The scoreboard. Weagle 91.1 FM.
1: We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard for the second half of the show. If you missed the first half, you can go wherever you find your podcast, search the scoreboard, and listen to our Auburn-Arkansas recap as well as predictions for this weekend's college football and NFL action. But now we're moving on to Major League Baseball's postseason. Coming out of coming into the break last segment, Bay mentioned my Braves, but he didn't mention something else. We are sadly going to be getting into that, but I'd rather start with. The <laughs> we'll good we'll stuff start off than with the happy bad. we we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll go happy first. The Atlanta Braves are up three one. Scary numbers for Atlanta fans, but has faith. What, when I was at your have house faith. last night, that's what I I was gonna say. It, it, it's a scary number after last year, but as I said, keep the faith because I think this team's different. Those outfielders that. That, that the Braves acquired at the trade deadline. They are putting on a show. I believe they're hitting, I think they're combining 101 plate appearances. Uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN tweeted it earlier. I mean, they're hitting like 400 almost. That's nuts. Incredible. And it's just just something that the Braves did a great job at uh, at the deadline. They, they're they hitting 341 uh, batting average, 400 slugging, I bl- or it might be, I forget, what, I don't know what the three slashes are, whatever it is. They're hitting 341. It's, with six homers and 21 RBIs in eight games, that's all that matters. Yeah. They are impacting the game like crazy. Eddie Rosario had two home runs last night with a triple and a single. Almost hit it for the cycle if the second home run didn't go out. So what I'll say is the Braves look – this looks different than last year's 3-1. After you completely, completely choke away that first game in L.A., you answer the way you did last night. Completely
0: different. Well, and I'll say this too. I think, and this is a given, of course. The biggest thing between this year and last year, especially with the All Squad, is the fact that last year was it also the Championship Series and the World Series that was played in Texas. So you have the chop if this game, if this series does go back to Atlanta. I saw things on social media from Truist Park, and that was the. One of the coolest baseball atmospheres like I could have imagined being in. Mm-hmm. Just because that's a town with a team that's been so close and on the verge of being close to a World Series because I don't think they've been there since ninety nine. Ninety nine, correct. Um and just seeing the way that the fans welcome in, welcome in, welcomed in that atmosphere in Atlanta and just the environment that they brought. I mean, if this series does go back to Atlanta, God forbid for Braves fans like you, then I, I would be very confident.
1: Yeah, I I am. I think it, that's what makes it different is that this team answered answered the call when they needed it most.
0: You can you cannot lose that game last night.
1: If you lost that game, I I this would be a completely different conversation. You'd have to win two in a row at home. This would not even be an optimistic conversation. I I would be extremely pessimistic thinking the Braves are done, even though it's only two two. It's over, but here we are. With a huge 3-1 lead, and like you said, even if you lose tonight, which, I mean, I'm telling you right now, don't think it happens. Yeah. Max Reed's on the bump. I trust him. I trust him with well, everything. We had Chris Sale on the bump last night. Yeah, well. okay. But how about Smiley, though? Yeah,
0: huge performance from
1: here. I, d- I love putting him in that long relief role and not starting him because whenever he starts, that's when it's really kind of problematic. He gives up a lot of home runs. He, he got... He got hit, but I think he got pulled at the perfect time. Yeah. It, it was a great great way to do it. Obviously, they still scored some runs, but it wasn't the end of the world because the offense answered right back.
0: Yeah, and I, I know a big thing um, with Dodgers fans, and correct me if I'm wrong, I wasn't able to watch the entire game, but a lot of thing, or something that a lot of the Dodgers fans weren't really um, happy about was I think they thought Dave Roberts left Urias in a, just a little too long.
1: Yes, I, I can agree with that. I think that, uh, yeah, he was... He was getting shelled. Yeah, I he mean,
0: was. He was giving up ho- solo home runs left and right. Because, I mean, they hit three just at, within the hour that was at y'all's house.
1: Yeah, so. I mean, and then obviously Jock Peterson, he got that single for the R- RBI to score Rosario, and in the fifth inning, that was it for him. I agree. I think he was in
0: for too long. Yeah. Your eyes have been so good, I'm, for the Dodgers. And I'm going to stand by this, too. Roberts isn't that great of a general manager. I'm with you. I'm going to be honest. I'm with you. Uh, that's one of those situations where that's a great front office getting a lot of talent, like Max Scherzer, like all these other guys, Mookie Betts. I mean, and he's kind of just got to sit back and just fill out the lineup card. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it, it was kind of funny because he definitely does too much. I think it was at one point when they had gone through a bunch of their pitchers and, and subbed in a bunch of guys. It was like, what what is Dave Roberts going to do now when he can't do – 50 double switches in the game. Yeah. And he he tries to do too much. And
0: now he did put Walker Bueller in to pinch run for Albert Pujols, gosh, correct? Exactly. Like so. that
1: kind of stuff is just wild. <laughs> like, what what if Bueller gets hurt? I love it though. I <laughs> mean, it's, it's funny. I bet Bueller wanted to be out there, but it's just, man, it, it's crazy. It's not smart baseball. No, I agree. And even and if he's fast, sure, go for it. I mean, like, Max Freed, like, if it comes down to it, you need a pinch hitter, Max Freed's the man. He knows yeah. how to hit. Yeah. So I, I understand those kind of moves, especially if the pitcher is all for it. But I'm with you that the Dave Roberts, not the guy for the Dodgers. And hey, if Brace won tonight, I wonder if he gets fired. I don't know. If they're a year removed You're from right. the World
0: Series. You're right. Maybe another year or two. Yeah. It's just with baseball, you never know. Yeah. I like mean, I mean, Aaron Boone was on the verge of being fired and they signed him to extension. And we've and we've seen crazier fire firings in oh, baseball. Yeah, so without a doubt. I I'm happy with what the Braves are at. I would be too. if I were I'm eat.
1: confident. I'm, I'm relaxed. That that's what I'll say. I'm not cautiously optimistic. Right. It's it's kind of just hey, go do your thing tonight, Max. Don't let them don't let him score anything on you. And then now, who would
0: start Game Six though? If y'all had a Game Six, probably Morton. Okay. That and yeah. Hey, yeah. He,
1: heck yes. Fine by me. Heck yes. I just hate that Enoa is injured. Now I hope we clinch yeah. it tonight, so that way you get the extra day uh, over the Astros or the Red Sox, whoever advances from there. So. Shall we? Shall we? Shall we move on to that? Sadly, all right, let, let's do it. Well, the Houston Astros
0: are now leading the series three to two. Well, I'll, I'll start with this. It should be four to one, or it should be three to two in our favor. Sorry, we should have won Game One. Yes, if we're going to go back to the start of the series. We we gave that game away with Correa and Altuve's at bats late in that game. Should have won that game, especially when Kike Hernandez is close to hitting the cycle. So that's one. Come back, win Game Two. Crush him in game three at home and then game four and five, you lose. I had more so the problem with last night's game for a few reasons. One, Framer Valdez lost his fifth game in the or his perfect game in the fifth inning. So, watching that game through my phone and getting the updates through my phone as well when I wasn't able to watch it, that's frustrating as heck. Gotta be. Second of all, when you have Chris Sale on the bump and he gives you five and a third really good innings with only giving up two earned runs, and I th- I think he had seven, seven. Ks, if I remember. Yes. Um, I mean, they were talking about him on the broadcast, and I mean, even through social media. I mean, that was a solid performance from him. And then I think that their, their, their running uh, streak late in the game, or their run streak late in the game in the sixth inning, I think it was, I'm gonna cover my monitor. Yeah, sixth inning. They scored five runs in the sixth, and that really kind of got started with a Schwarber error over at first base, who, with his bats, has been a huge addition in the postseason. So I can't really get mad at Schwarber. I mean, I, I would like to see him make that play. Um, but it's tough to get mad at him when his bat's been as crucial as it's been since the playoffs have started. So, whoever <sighs> did go over last night. Yeah. And what I want to know is, do you think that
1: was last night' offensive performance getting perfecto through five? Is that just a one-off thing? Are they truly getting cold after being so hot? You think maybe in Houston they'll figure it out with the bats?
0: I'm I'm holding on to the hope that Cora and the offense will be fine in the last two games because that's really what it comes down to. Boston this year, our pitching can give you just a mediocre game whether it's Ivaldi Rodriguez who sale or Rodriguez had a great game. We had to bring in Ivaldi in this series as well out of the bullpen, but if you get a mediocre pitching game, that offense is going to be sufficient enough to win you seven out of ten games. I'd say six or seven games out of ten. So, to answer your question, I don't think the offense is getting cold. I think Kike Hernandez Hernandez has been the hottest hitter in baseball. So, I'd like to see that continue. Um, But I do not think the offense is going to get cold. I think going down to Houston, that's obviously what's going to win us the series. It's going to be a a fist fight in Game 6. And then if we advance to Game 7... Lord help me, because I might need a, a nurse bedside to watch my heart rate.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that's the thing is that there's just so much pressure on the Red Sox right now because after you won those games with all those grand slams, you you're thinking, man, yeah. this is the hottest I mean, game in baseball. About the, the yeah, yeah, homers. exactly. It, I think it's
0: 18 home runs through six games, which is the most in postseason history.
1: Well, they, they yeah they've hit three grand slams this series, and that's the most in postseason history. Yeah, I, I, it was funny because there's a list of teams that only hit three grand slams in the regular season. And the Red Sox are one of them. Yeah. They literally equaled their regular season amount of grand slams in 162 games, and they've done it in just, like, eight games. Yeah. But I I just don't really know how this series is going to play out these two games.
0: Just just tell me you don't think we're going to win. I don't. don't I don't. code it.
1: But I just, I have a weird feeling that Boston could show some life, especially in Game 6. Game 7 is obviously you never know, especially with the Astros. Yeah. And we had this discussion this morning after you left Compact Discourse. We talked about how the Astros, the fact they keep respond even after all the cheating allegations, they keep it up. They do. It's crazy. It's, it's their core. I mean, it's hard not to respect it. Yeah. It's hard not to respect it because there are so many eyes on them. People are looking for cheating allegations, and
0: here they are. It's their core. It's Correa. It's it's Bregman. It's Altuve. and. And I think these last two games are actually going to be—they're going to be huge because we all know the history of Cora. He was the bench coach uh, during the cheating allegations. Um, he really takes playing Houston personally. Yeah, I mean, as anybody would. So I really think being in Houston those last two games, that ballpark's going to be electric. Sadly, Boston only got one of two at Fenway. Let's hope it's not the last time we play at Fenway this year. <laughs> um, but I'm going to hold out hope. I think that they can get it done but it's going to take some serious magic, um, and Boston's going to have to pull something out because, I mean, that's a tough place to play. Yeah, it is. And I, like I said, I, I think the, the Astros will pull it out,
1: but I just think I think there's a little bit of magic left. With the there Reds might Hunts. be. I think there's a little
0: bit left. Now, does it run out if we get to the World Series? It's very, very possible. Yeah. And one other thing I
1: want to focus on the Astros right here. Josh Dawson tweeted that Jose Altuve is a Hall of Famer. I want to hear what you say about that. No. Really? No. Nah. I think, wait, if he keeps this up, because he is 31. He's probably got a solid six to ten more years if he really keeps it up. If he keeps it up and no more cheating allegations, anything like that, I think he's
0: got a shot. If he, As of now, no. But it, I, I can agree with right. that. So you think he's on track? I think he could be on track. It'll be interesting to see like how his career were to end. If you yeah, to
1: get in. That, that's what it is. I think if, man, if they win it this year, like I said, it's hard not to respect it because there's no way they cheated this year yeah. with all the eyes on them. But
0: So you have a Houston-Atlanta?
1: Houston in seven, Atlanta
0: in five. Boston in seven, Atlanta in six. Love Boston you. and Atlanta, and me and Jacob will go. I'm pulling for that. I'm pulling for that. Have you looked at ticket prices? You, we probably won't be making it.
1: <laughs> okay, that has been our Major League Baseball talk. On the scoreboard, when we come back, we're going to preview the NBA season. As opening night was on Tuesday here on the scoreboard. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the scoreboard with Bay
0: Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Welcome back to the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman, also live on WEGLFM.com. Don't mind us. We're just looking up ticket prices in the break for, for a World Series. That's a bad. You know that's a terrible omen. That, we shouldn't be doing this.
1: Like doing that. Like we're jinxing it. Yeah. It's it's a, this is
0: this has human curse written all oh, over. Oh, it does. It, it does. And we, um, should, we really shouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> let's let's see what happens before we start making plans to go to the go to the World Series. I agree. But if you missed the MLB postseason segment, you can go back and listen to today's show on the replay wherever you may find your podcast. Jacob and I will be uploading that right after this before Jacob's got to ace his midterm. Um, mm-hmm. You heard that right, Ms. Teresa. He will ace it. Oh, yeah. For sure. No <laughs> doubt about it. NBA got kicked off the other night, or tipped off, I should say, um, officially for the 2021-2022 season. And I know it seems like the season just ended yesterday due to it being pushed back due to coronavirus. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about it. Tuesday night, two matchups between two of the best from the East and two of the best from the West. Brooklyn traveled to Milwaukee, Golden State at Los Angeles. Milwaukee wins at home the defending NBA champions. 127, 104. Giannis drops 32, as well as KD. And then at home, Los Angeles loses to Golden State, 121 to 114. Steph Curry only with 21 points, uh, and LeBron in year number eight or 17. I don't know. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, he uh, drops 34. So I believe he's 18. Yeah, point being he's old and he's dropping a lot of points. Um, so having said that, this season brings a lot of interesting. Um, headlines or storylines into it. You have the return of uh, Clay Thompson. You have Kyrie Irving sitting out right now due to vaccine status. You have um, so many different things going on in the NBA. Um, We're going to take time in this segment, I guess, to do what we normally do when a sports season kicks off. Awards. Or preseason awards. Yeah,
1: preseason awards, predictions, things like that.
0: Uh, Superlatives, I guess we should call it. you wanna start off with individual? Yes. Yeah, so let's we can go ahead and I, I guess let's go ahead and we can do defensive in, or player of the year. We'll get all the boring ones out of the way. Yeah,
1: and you know, I really think this is gonna be kind of a chalk pick, but it happens a lot. Rudy Gobert.
0: I was gonna say like Rudy Gobert. You have to pick Rudy. And if it's not him, maybe Kawhi right behind him. Yeah, or and I, I I think
1: Anthony Davis is kind of a sleeper for that as well. If he stays yeah. healthy. If he stays healthy, look out for him as well. Yeah. And what I think is so good about Rudy Gobert is I think the jazz are gonna be improved. I think they play – they don't – the Jazz have not changed a lot over the offseason. Donovan Mitchell stays healthy. You've got that offensive power, and I think that helps Rudy Gobert because, you know, he's not the – you know, he's not an offensive threat too much, but he's all about the defense. And I really think that with the Jazz improving, that improves his defense as well. Yeah. If if, if it's even possible to improve his defense. Yeah. Rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean – should I go with – this will make some Auburn fans mad, but I like Jalen Green. Yeah. I think that Jalen Green really possesses the the dynamic, dynamic really ability to just be exciting, score a lot of points, and not be bad enough on defense where that's a reason to not vote for him for Rookie of the Year. So that's my pick is Jalen Green for Rookie of the Year.
0: He actually has the second highest odds right behind Kay Cunningham, obviously, being the number one overall pick. Um, but I think the smart pick, like Jacob just said, is going to be Jalen Green. I mean, that guy is just so athletic, nearly came to Auburn, and that, that's going to make that sting even a little bit worse. Man, man, think
1: about that timeline. That was like during COVID and everything. He did his commitment on Instagram Live. What a timeline.
0: Moving on. Let's go ahead and do the MVP. Okay, this, this is obviously... People are gonna say a chalk award, but you truly I, NBA, NBA not, don't know.
1: Yeah, you never know who's gonna win it in the NBA. I mean, I want to say KD. I want to say Giannis. I want to say Luka Doncic. I was gonna say Luka might be a favorite as well. I really like Luka. I'm excited to see what he does tonight uh, in Atlanta. Uh, I I, I should have gone to this game, but other other th- other pressing things to yeah. to attend. But the thing is, I think Luka. It's just it's just time. It's time for him to do it. It, it. He he really is an exciting player, still young. And I think this is the year that he leads the Dallas Mavericks to a top seed. And they become a favorite in the playoffs. Wow. that that
0: That's how I feel. I might go a little bit more chalk than you and be, do a safer pick. I'm going to go with Giannis. Um, just the way that he ended last year, uh, the way he played in the playoffs, specifically the finals. And, I mean, you saw an opening night. He's already dropped 32 points. Gosh. Um, I just think that he is has he has so much momentum um rolling in his favor and Milwaukee's favor. I think they might go back to the finals. I don't know. Um, but I do think that he will be the MVP when it's all said and done. I mean, if you look at that
1: box score from Tuesday night, seven for nine from the free throw line. He missed his first one, but after that, he got he owned this one. Yeah, he did. And what I don't like is him shooting four threes. He needs to stop shooting those three pointers. Why like, not, man? I mean, I'm a, I'm okay with him shooting once or twice a game. Whenever, I mean, if you're wide open, go for it. Because he can't make him. He went one for four. He that's 25%. That's below average. But for Giannis, that's good. If he shoots 25% for three, I mean, it's over. Yeah. It's over. And he only turned the ball over four times. He got in a little bit of foul trouble, but that's okay. He's a physical player. Yeah. So I I like Giannis over KD. Yeah. Like I think Giannis is my he's my second pick behind Luca. I, I just think that, like you said, coming off what he did last year. I mean, Finals MVP. It is like, he looks like just the perennial, like Hall of Famer. Like, it's amazing. That's
0: kind of the last thing he's got to, or, I mean, he's already got an MVP. Yeah, exactly. But um, my point being. What else has he had to do? And that, that was actually a huge headline. We didn't get to talk about it really, or I don't remember us talking about it much, was just the fact that. So many people were talking about he was so close to that final step in his NBA journey. Yep. All the greats and Hall of Famers, a lot of them have won titles, and if not, or along with that, NBA or finals MVPs. Now that he's done that, does it become <laughs> to how many he wins? Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he gets a couple. For sure. And I, I think mean, this year's one of them. Well, because I like
1: the Bucks roster. I like yeah. the, I mean, Brooke Lopez, and you've got uh, Bobby Portis. Is Bobby Portis still there? Yeah.
0: Okay. Divincenzo. Yeah. Chris just, Middleton. You have so many guys
1: just that just. I mean, it works. It works really well
0: because I don't. Coach Bud has done a good job. It
1: was just crazy because you know when the Hawks play I and mean, Giannis is not playing and he's not really playing well, it's like the Hawks should be winning this. But you have all those role players just step up every single time. But it's because of what Giannis does is they're able to do that because they have such a great player leading them.
0: All right, we only have about a minute left. Okay, let's go ahead and get into it. Who is the Beast from the East and the best from the West this year meeting in the finals? Beast from the East, obviously the Hawks. Kidding. I do think the Hawks. <laughs> they could make a deep run.
1: I like a three seed for the Hawks. Okay. So talk about them for a second. I think Trey Young does a really good, has a really good season. He won't be in the MVP discussion, but he does enough to give the Hawks a three seed. In the finals, though, I mean, I'm gonna get chalk here. It's probably gonna be the the Bucks and Nets. I mean, yeah. That's just how it's gonna be. Wait, the Bucks are not no, Excuse no, that, in me. In the was, East, yeah.
0: <laughs> now the East
1: Finals, more than likely, that'll probably be what it is. That's hilarious. Yes, Bucks and that's in the East, and then I Jazz Lakers. Y- yeah, in the West. Yeah, and- I was gonna say
0: Jazz might be my sleeper out of the West. From there, Nets Lakers. Yeah, Lakers just with LeBron surrounding themselves with all the old guys. I mean, <laughs> he might have a roster he likes if Russell Westbrook cannot be Westbrook. They could have a potentially very special year in Los Angeles. So, Lakers-Nets, who's your champ? I'm going to go with the... Uh, sorry, my match was actually going to be the Lakers oh, and the Bucks. Okay, I think Bucks repeat.
1: I like the Nets. Nets in six.
0: This has been the Scoreboard on WEGL
1: 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Make sure you check out the podcast if you miss any of the show. Wherever you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you find them just starts the scoreboard and you'll see it have a great weekend
0: you've been listening to the scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with bay marks and jacob hillman listen every thursday at 2 p.m as jacob and bay cover all the happenings in sports you can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com and follow us on twitter and instagram at wegl underscore au